0: The Holy Spirit is how God is made real to every believer in every age. The Holy Spirit is how God was made real to you. And the Holy Spirit was made real to you so that through your salvation, you can work and accomplish and work towards the kingdom of God and his desire and his will. And it's gonna be the Holy Spirit in you making God real to you, making Jesus alive to you that's going to lead you to do the kingdom work that you have been called
1: to do. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary.
0: have your Bibles this morning, John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And we are in a impromptu series on, on the Trinity. I uh, did not mean to start that, but it just kind of worked out that way. And so we're going to finish that this morning. And as we do that, we're coming to the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. And as we have gone through these three messages, as I said last week, we spent so much time on Jesus, which is understandable, is, is right, is good. I'm not trying to diminish that by any stretch of the imagination. But then we got to the fatherhood of God, and we talked about how we just kind of think of God, and then, okay, so it must be fatherhood, and we don't really delve down into what it means to be God the, the Father, kind of overlooked sometimes. Well, this morning we come to the one person of the Trinity that's uh, mysterious, is probably the best way to put it, and perhaps the most uh, misunderstood, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit, I find, is interesting, kind of, depending a little bit upon your denominations, right? Baptists, we get a little bit scared, if we really want to be honest, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, like, oh, okay, hold on, wait a minute, does that mean that I'm going to raise my hand during the sermon? Am I, am I going to raise both hands? You know, what if the Spirit really gets hold of me and I say amen? You, you know, where, where, where's, where's the line for us us Baptist folks? And we look over our Pentecostal brothers and sisters, and if it's not, you know, both hands waving back and forth and four or five amens and a little bit of shouting, the Holy Spirit wasn't there, you, you, you know. And so you go, well, which is it? <laughs> you know, how, how do we understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit? It doesn't help. As well, talking about mysterious, that for, in many translations still, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Ghost, right? And and when you think of ghosts, what do you immediately think of? Some nebulous, you know, know, ethereal image, you know, that kind of comes in and out of the walls, you know, like the Holy Spirit is out in the parking lot and will just kind of come in and float from one side of the, the, the sanctuary to the other. On more than one occasions, and as much as I love Star Wars, you've seen, you know, I've have seen messages, you know, basically looking at the Force in Star Wars and comparing it to the to the Holy Spirit, and, and there's kind of some analogies there. But even though I really like Star Wars, it, it's it's not a a, a very good an- metaphor. The, the, the rise really, as I said, in the, you know, the 20th century of the charismatic movements brought that, that, that emotionalism that flows from the Holy Spirit. So you, you, can, see, you can see the, the mystery on, on one hand, and you can also see the, the confusion on, on the other. But as believers, we, we are called to think biblically and clearly on, on all issues of doctrine. Right? Not just the Holy Spirit, but on all issues of of doctrine. So this morning, going to John chapter sixteen, Jesus is going to speak a little bit on the Holy Spirit. And of course, you go back, it actually starts in John 14. He mentions the comforters coming in John 15, 16. This is Jesus' high, you know, they're going to the garden leading up to John 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus where he's about to leave and he's talking to them about what's going to happen. And when you get down to the second part of verse 4, he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but where, whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This morning, as we look and study the Holy Spirit, we're going to focus on four words. And the four words are are these. Necessity, identity, activity, and receptivity. And by the way... I get the gold star this morning for the alliteration, okay? Y'all usually get gold stars for paying attention. I get gold stars this morning for the alliteration. So first of all, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we need to see that the coming of the Holy Spirit was a necessity. Now, I know we don't typically think about this, and about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think part of the reason why is as we think on the Trinity, As we understand the Trinity, you know, God, uh, the the essence, one essence, three distinct persons, we understand that the Holy Spirit is an eternal being, has always been. And we'll look at that in a minute uh, a little more in depth. So we don't think then of the Holy Spirit coming as a necessity because the Holy Spirit has always been here. But the way the Holy Spirit operated in the Old Testament and the way the Holy Spirit operates in the New Testament is very distinct. It's very different. Jesus is telling them this, and he says in verse 7, something I find very interesting, he says, I need to go away, and it's to your advantage. Jesus says, there's a necessity of me going, so that that then brings the necessity of the Holy Spirit coming. Now, I find that interesting, to, to say the least, I imagine the disciples were very confused by this, right? I mean, this is in the garden. This is just moments before his arrest. They're, they're walking. They, they just left the upper room, had the Lord's Supper. They're going through the garden. And all of a sudden, Jesus is just, I mean, honestly, just dumping all of this on them. Hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I've said these things to you. You couldn't bear them. They're about to put you out of the synagogue. They're going to kill you. I said these things from the beginning because I was with you, but now... I'm about to leave, and it's good for me that I leave. Now, how would you, as a disciple, if you are in that situation, would you respond to that? Really? It's good that you should leave? Why is it good that you should leave? What's going to happen to me after you leave? I've left my fishing job. I've left my tax collection. I, I, I disbanded from the zealots who want to overthrow everything. How is it going to be good for me if you leave but Jesus makes it very clear look at what he says at the end of verse 4 he says I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you so he says I was with you my presence was with you so I could lead and guide you but now I'm going to him I'm going to the father who sent me and it's good for you because when I go back to the father who sent me I'm going to then send the holy spirit the helper to be with you. But if I don't go, he can't come. So here's the logic of Jesus I've promised you, disciples, that I will be with you forever. I, I, I've promised that wherever you go, I will be there. I will never leave you or forsake you. John 14, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. And the only way that Jesus can fulfill those promises is if the Holy Spirit comes. That if Jesus sends them the third person of the Trinity, that the Holy Spirit comes to be with each of the disciples. Otherwise, Jesus is not going to be able to be with them everywhere they're going. Right? When you go back and you study the disciples, and you look at where they went and where they go, there was no way that Jesus could be with them all at the same time. This is the only way. It was a necessity for the Holy Spirit to come to fulfill the promises that Jesus made of not leaving you an orphan, of always being with you. And part of that necessity was God's redemptive plan. Because when we get to the book of Acts, what we find out is the power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts that the church grows. I know that a lot of times you'll see that, you know, i will say Acts, and then underneath it'll say something, of the apostles. It's really the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, if you really want to be technical. But that's part of God's redemptive plan. It it is where the, the Spirit comes upon them, and the apostles go, and they preach Jesus throughout the book of Acts, and the church starts to grow. And the only way that that was going to happen was the Holy Spirit coming. The Holy Spirit was a necessity for what is about to happen but they can't see the what is about to happen they can see what is happening now but Jesus says it's a necessity that the Holy Spirit comes it's a necessity that I depart so that I can see him at the same time as Jesus is talking to them he reminds them that the Holy Spirit has an identity that the Holy Spirit has an identity now just, we, we, we need to understand this, and we need to be very careful. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Okay The, the, the Holy Spirit is, is, is not an it. Sometimes I think we, we, we know that, but as believers we just get lax in our speech. And, and we just, oh, you know, you know it did that. No, no, it's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the reason we can't be lax in our speech is because if we say it and use that, 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 that pronoun, we're denying his deity and his personhood. So we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is both deity and has personhood. Now, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of stuff, but as Jesus is talking and he says to this, he says, look down at the end of verse 7, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when... He comes. He will convict. He will. He will. He will. All these times, Jesus is talking to them about the deity and the personhood of the Holy Spirit. We see the deity in the aspects that he's convicting the world concerning sin, concerning righteousness, that that is fully of God. There, There is no other person that can do that. And Jesus says, look, you need to understand, you're not going to be led by some nebulous Holy Ghost just coming in and wafting in and out of your life. No, you're being led by God himself. You go to Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, and, and you see this very clearly just in the grammar. It says, but Peter said, Ananias, why Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And I read that not to discuss what was happening there with Ananias and Sapphira, but did you see at the beginning, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, you've lied to God. Well, wait a second, did we change? No. It's just what we already knew. It's what Jesus has said. The Holy Spirit is God. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit, being God, we need to understand, has all the same perfections, right? We talk about God being eternal, God being good, God being everywhere, God being sovereign. The Holy Spirit has that as well. Those same perfections are ascribed to him, We talk about regeneration and sanctification, again, pointing to his deity. At the same time, the Holy Spirit has personhood. Now, I know we don't think about this in terms of, we think of Jesus as a person. When we think of personhood, we think of needing to encompass a a physical body. And the Holy Spirit does not. However, the Holy Spirit has personhood in that he is intelligent. He possesses thought. He has a will. He can be grieved, right? We're told, what? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. All right? we were singing just a minute ago, and I like what, the second, second verse, and I'm not going to say it right. Uh, Transform my stubborn heart. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly what it was. And, and, and at that moment, we were all singing, man, these, they're not talking about me. They're talking about somebody else. All right but man if, if if our stubborn hearts stay stubborn what we, we, we grieve the holy spirit how can an it be grieved right how how can this this podium be grieved if I, it, it it doesn't care it's inanimate it's not alive the holy spirit is alive it hasn't the holy spirit has an identity he is God. He has a personhood. And at the same time, Jesus makes this clear that who is coming is, is God. All right? Let's jump back to John 14 for a minute. John 14, 16, which is why I stumbled this morning because we read John 16 down to verse 14. You can see the confusion. But this is really important too. John 14, 16 it says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Then verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth. Now, I I want you to see that because, again, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is God. And it tells us really by looking into the language there, and I'm I'm not going to give you all the Greek words and everything, but the word that is used there where it says another, that word another means of the same kind. So, Jesus says the helper who is coming is going to be just like me. It's not going to be a different helper. It's going to be a helper just like me. So that when I'm gone, I'm really still with you because the one who is coming to be with you is just like me. It's not someone different. And so we have Jesus being just like God. We, we have the Holy Spirit being just like Jesus, which makes the Holy Spirit just like God. And we can see in all of that, we can see the Trinity. It, it's there for us to see. God, who is one eternal being with three distinct persons. And one of those distinct persons is the identity and the unique person of the Holy Spirit. So we see the Holy Spirit's identity. Well, what is the Holy Spirit's then activity in the world. Why did Jesus send the Holy Spirit? Well, I think it would help when we look down in verse seven. Just just curious, just by a show of hands, how many in verse seven does it say helper? How many does it say helper in your translation when you look in verse seven? Anybody have helper? See, I didn't you didn't think you're gonna have to look in your Bibles. I see a few hands. All right, how many have advocate? Advocate, got one for advocate. Comforter, got a few for comforter. Counselor, counselor, anybody not raise their hand, to have something different? What? Counselor, okay. Now, the reason I point that out, first of all, did you notice they're all capitalized? It doesn't matter if you have helper, advocate, counselor. It, the reason it's capitalized is because it's pointing to the deity of the Holy Spirit, but the reason there are so many different translations is we don't have a one to one translation of the word used in the Greek. The word used in the Greek literally means, and, and then tell me if this helps you understand why so many different words are used. It literally means the one who comes alongside. What does a comforter do? Come alongside. What's a counselor do? Come alongside. What's an advocate do? Come alongside. What's a helper do? Come alongside. So all those works, all those words describe what the Holy Spirit does. It's just we don't have that one to one translation. But the Holy Spirit comes alongside. So the activity of the Holy Spirit is to come alongside really believers, but also to the world in general. Right? The Holy Spirit comes alongside, and and some of the ways the Holy Spirit comes alongside comes alongside with with revelation. Look down verse 13 says God us into all truth. That's revelation. The Holy Spirit reveals to us not just truth, but God's truth. And it's the revealed truth of God. And it's revealed through His Word because the Holy Spirit is the one who divinely inspired the human authors of the Bible. Right From, from Moses to John, Isaiah to Jude, the words that we read are the words of God to His people. And just a reminder, little w is Word, Bible. Big W is, is Word, Jesus, God in the flesh. And it says that the Holy Spirit, when he comes to lead us and guide us, he's going to lead us into, it says, all truth. All truth. And that all truth was contained in who? The person of Jesus Christ. So the work of, uh, of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us, to the world, Jesus Christ, to reveal that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is to, to reveal to us what Jesus has, has taught us, what Jesus has, has said to us. The Holy Spirit always points back to Jesus. And it's really important to notice, know this this morning, all right? Everything that the Holy Spirit reveals to us will always be in accordance with and not contrary to the revealed inscribed word of God. All right, the Holy Spirit will never ever ever lead you to do something that is sinful, that is contrary to God's word. Just never will. So the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is revelation. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, and I'm, just, I'm not going to break this out, I'm just going to lump it in as a big category, and that is salvation. You look down in verse 9, 8 and 9, He'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and, and, and judgment. Part of the job of the Holy Spirit, part of His activity, is, is to convict people of our sins, inviting us, to be saved through Jesus Christ, responding to the invitation and then start the, the regenerative process in us to make us a new creation, to, to dwell in us. Right? Isn't that, you know, I told you that the activity of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament is different. When you go and you look at the Holy Spirit and the activity of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, what you see is the Holy Spirit descending on a person for a time and a specific job. And then basically going back. The Holy Spirit would come and give certain powers. You can go back through there and you can look. You see some of the judges. The Holy Spirit comes upon Gideon. The Holy Spirit comes upon Samson. But then again, the Holy Spirit, it, it does not stay with them their entire lives. Part of the wonderful part of being New Testament believers is the moment that we are saved, the Holy Spirit says, slide over. I'm coming in. I'm going to live with you and I am going to be with you for forever and ever. And that's part of salvation. He, he, he dwells in us, which means he seals us, reminds us that, that we, are, we are God's possession. The Holy Spirit in us tells us and tells the world, tells God that, hey, we belong to him. Intercession. Right? Intercession. You go to pray. And sometimes you just don't know what to pray for. You ever been in that situation? I, I mean, I have. There's a couple that are just real personal to me. Where I just, I, 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 I honestly, I didn't know what to pray. One time I even, I, I said that out loud. I was like, I, I, have, I have no idea. I, I don't know what to pray for. I don't know how to pray. Everybody kind of looked at me. It's like, but you're the pastor. I'm like, Sorry, <laughs> I'm, at a, I'm at a loss at the moment. You know, you've been in those moments. And it says that the Holy Spirit comes and, and he, he intercedes to us with, with, with groanings. And, and I, I like that translation. And, and look, this doesn't mean that we get caught up and we start speaking in, in unintelligible words. It means that in that moment of anguish that we are in, when we don't know what to say, that the Holy Spirit the helper comes alongside of us and says, I've got this for you. Hold on just a minute. You, you stay right there. I am will take this to the Father for you. And I know how heavy it is on your heart. So when I go to the Father, I'm not going to go with really eloquent words. I'm not going to go with a, a beautiful, you know, Pointed out in the poem, and he said that that, that passage says, I will to go to the Father with the same groanings that is in your heart. But I know how to take those groanings and, and turn them and translate them into words for you before the Father so He knows exactly what it is. Those moments when we just don't know how to pray, He is there with us because He cares about us, He is, he is inside us, and He wants our well being. The Holy Spirit equips us, right? He, he equips us. Sunday school lesson this morning, Ephesians chapter 3 or four, 4. How does the Holy Spirit equips us? He comes and He gives us every spiritual gift that we need to, to build up the church. This morning, I talked about apostles and, and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers and helpers and those with faith and those with the gift of prayer. All of you have been gifted, all of you have been equipped with a spiritual gift to help the body of believers. And that spiritual gift comes from the Holy Spirit. He is the one who gives. And he gives freely. You all have one. I think sometimes, and I was listening to Greg this morning. I think sometimes we made spiritual gifts a lot more spiritual and woo than they need to be. I mean, I don't need. I don't mean to sound flippant, but right. I mean, let's when he when he was talking about that in Sunday school this morning. My first thought was, how many of us have taken a spiritual gift inventory? You know, right. We, we look in the Bible and it's like, oh, there's all these spiritual gifts, and then the Baptist part of us kick in and go, oh, I can come up with a plan and an inventory and, and a quiz to take for that to tell you which, right? I mean, that's just how Baptists think. All right, hey, it's in the Bible, that's good. I can turn it into a program and make it better, right? And we've all taken that spiritual gift inventory, to, and, and, and I'm not trying to knock it. There, there's some, some good in there, right? But I like what Greg said this morning. If you're wondering what your spiritual gift is, why don't you try some. If it doesn't work, try another one. I mean, it might not be the most theological thing I've ever heard, but boy, it's the most practical. Love you, Greg. Right, but it, it all comes from the Holy Spirit. It all comes from the Holy Spirit, the, 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 the gifts, so that we are equipped, and we need to understand that we are equipped to do the work of the church. Right? Now, if you're a teacher, if you're, if you're gifting of the, of the spiritual gift is teaching, it doesn't mean you can't be a teacher in the secular world. It doesn't mean that. If you've got the gift of administration, it doesn't mean you can't go administer a company. It doesn't mean that. But it means that the gift that you have been given is to be demonstrated and exercised in the body of believers. Your gift should be used here at Red Bank, whatever it is. You want to make me happy? Call me this week. Go, Gary, I'm not using my gift. How can I? All right, I'll start working on the list now. I'll, I'll look forward to your phone call. Right? But then, you want to hear something really neat? He gives us the gifts, then He gives us the power to do it. He gives us the gifts, then He gives us the power to do it. He empowers us. All the strength that we need, He gives to us so that we can do that. Because outside the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be left floundering trying to use that gift. But He's the source He's the giver, and then he's the power. And since the Holy Spirit is active in the life of us as believers, it it becomes then incumbent on us to respond. So there's a receptivity of the Spirit that the believers need to understand. And I want to just call our attention to one word this morning, and the word is woke. The word is woke. We are called to walk in the Spirit. We're called to walk in the Spirit. Going back to Ephesians this morning, it says, We're called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Called to, to walk worthy in the manner of us being called out of darkness into life, being sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're called to, to walk worthy of the one who is walking beside us. And I love that, that, that imagery. That's when you're walking beside, it's the Holy Spirit who is setting the pace. All right, if you're in front, then you're setting the pace. You're dictating where to go. And you may keep on walking and turn around and looking like the Holy Spirit left like half a mile ago. You're just out doing whatever you think you should do. But if you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, the one who has come along beside you, he's right there with you. And every time he takes a step, you take a step and you can see. And and, and there's like this partnership. The Holy Spirit is working in you and you're wanting to walk worthy uh, of him. You want to walk in step with him so that you can do what he is leading you to do. Where he's leading you to equip the church, where he's leading you to be uh, uh, salt and light, where he's leading you to minister to the community, where he's leading you to the truth of Christ, where he's walking alongside of you, showing you the way, showing you how to be more like Jesus. And and we've got to respond to that. We've, We've got to be receptive to that, or else we'll grieve the Holy Spirit I mean, none of us want to do that. None of us wants to cause the one who saved us to, to be grieved by our actions. So we have to be receptive to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to, to where He is leading us in our life, where He's producing fruit in us. Where that Bible the, the verse says, so that we walk in the Spirit, so we do not gratify the desires of the flesh, where He's leading us away from the flesh. Galatians 5, these are the works of the flesh, these are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Leading us away from the bad stuff that looks like the world to look more like Christ and to emulate the fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. But we've got to be receptive to that. We have to understand that. Because the Holy Spirit is active and working in our lives. And he doesn't want to push us. Okay, now I'm not talking about sometimes we need a nudge, okay? But he doesn't want, his activity, his purpose is not to stand behind us and constantly push us forward in the Christian life. Neither is his job to constantly pull us from the front, to, to drag us with our heels. His, his role, his activity is to walk beside us and for us to acknowledge that and be receptive as he walks beside us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's that's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives this morning. And as we finish this morning, what I want you to see, and what I want you to kind of take away and remember from the Holy Spirit is this. I want you to think through it, going back to the necessity of Christ to leave. How vitally important it was, not for the disciples, but for you. Okay, let's, let's make this personal. I want you to think of it this way. You cannot ascend to God's throne this morning, right? You can't step out, go up the escalators to the heaven and see God and, and meet him at his throne. At the same time, Jesus is not here physically. He's not down the road preaching where you could go see him. He, he's not here. By physical limitation, he, he, he can't be. He can't be everywhere at once can't be with me at 10 o'clock in Thomasville and you at 10 o'clock in Germantown. So when Jesus promises to be with you always, where he says, I will not leave you as an orphan, that I will not leave you or forsake you, that where you go, I will be with you always, the way for that to happen is through the Holy Spirit. Where the bodily presence of Jesus, that we, that you do not have access to, is replaced with the spiritual presence of the Holy Spirit. It is how the Holy Spirit is how Jesus is universally and individually present with all believers at all times. The Holy Spirit is how, that, how God is with you and you and you and you and me and every believer this morning around the world who is worshiping. The Holy Spirit is how God universally was with believers that that worshiped in this building 100 years ago and is with us today. The Holy Spirit is how God is made real to every believer in every age. The Holy Spirit is how God was made real to you. And the Holy Spirit was made real to you So that through your salvation, you can work and accomplish and work towards the kingdom of God and his desire and his will. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit made real to you, or it's going to be the Holy Spirit in you, making God real to you, making Jesus alive to you, that's going to lead you to do the kingdom work that you have been called to do. That is why the church has continued to exist It's why the church will always continue to exist. And it's why and how God works through Red Bank just as much as he does now as he did 162 years ago. Because the Holy Spirit is making God
1: real to us today. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.